Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Um, this is podcast number nine now. Uh, going on our second month. I say R as if this is a, a multiple person um, setup here, but really it's just me behind my computer. <laughs> my guest today is uh, Mr. Seth Coombs. He's a local music critic, has worked for City Beat and, and a number of different publications, uh, including Riviera. He, he interviewed me last year, I guess last winter, for, uh, for an art story. And uh, super interesting dude, highly opinionated, well-mannered, um, and does not have a uh, Rolodex of douchery, apparently. I think we all do, but he says he does not have one, so we'll see. Um, so sit back and enjoy the interview. Um, I got a few things I want to I wanna plug before we get started here. Um, coming up December 10th, I have a group show at the Cave Gallery in uh, Venice Beach, or I guess just Venice. Is it Venice Beach or Venice? I don't know. I, I assume it's the same thing. I got a group show, maybe uh, 10 artists, uh, including the, the amazing artist, Mr. Paul Chatham, who uh, I've been friends with and have shown my work with uh on on numerous occasions um this should be good the show is called uh crooked comfort and uh you can check the gallery out at the cavegallery.net um and see what's up with that uh i'll have a few pieces in that show um and then in january i'm sure i'm gonna do some more podcasts before january but um I have a show coming up at, at the Distinction Gallery uh, on January 8th, and uh, that's up in the North County part of, of San Diego. So, um, yeah, I want to plug all that. Uh, if you want to check out my stuff, you uh, go to MikeMaxwellArt.com. Uh, you should be subscribing to the podcast, so it just pops right into your iTunes. Or you can go over to, there's a Facebook fan page now, if you just search Live Free Podcast. And I post all the podcasts up in there, too. So if you just want to listen to them on your Facebook and not deal with downloads or iTunes or all that bullshit, you can, you can go do that. So uh, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Mr. Seth Coombs. I think right off the, right off the bat, right out the gate, Let's talk about what the fuck is going on with San Diego music. All right. Like what is what out there should people really fucking know about? What the fuck is going on with San Diego music? Um, I don't know. I, the other day I sort of realized that uh, uh, maybe it's age, maybe it's uh, indifference, but uh, I'm out of the loop when it comes to local music. I mean, I, I've been... Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I listen to music like 24-7, but... Uh, as far as local bands goes, it seems like I'm just getting into the ones that people have been talking about for a while. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, little little hurricane. I mean, that would be an example. I mean, they've been kind of 
big for a while, but now they're moving away or something. So I don't, I don't, I, I it's like a, you know, I'm kind of Johnny come lately. So, and then, um, but I don't know. I mean, as far as, as far as, uh, you know, uh, national music goes, I mean, I'm on top of my shit. Let's, uh, let's talk about, let's say one local band that, that caught your attention over the, let's say even over <laughs> the last year um, or two. The last year or two, um, you know, I saw a band um, actually just the other night, and um, I can't remember. I can't remember their name. Isn't this awesome? The uh, from the last year, um, I would say, Shapes of Future Frames. Shapes of Future Frames. Shapes of Future Frames. It's got two guys from the old and out, and one and uh, and one guy from uh, Scarlet Symphony, and. Uh, they are, they are just like, I, I mean, they sometimes remind me of like that kind of, they're like going for that Led Zeppelin hard rock kind of sound. And sometimes I think they sound like Deer Hunter and they're just, they're all over the place. And I like that, you know, it's, it's cool when a band can be, um, you know, multifaceted with their influences and still not alienate people. I think like I just did a story on Earthless. I mean, Earthless has been around for, you know, years for almost 10, I think. Yeah, I read that and, article this morning. Yeah, and I mean, it was, you know, I was, I've been stoked on them for years, and you go to one of their shows, and I think that's what I was trying to convey in the article, is like, you don't have to be, you know, uh, in a certain clique to appreciate their music. I mean, indie kids dig it, stoners dig it, metal dudes dig it, yeah. you know, hippies dig it, and it's... It's, it's kind of hard to find that these days. No, it's really hard to find that. I mean, I, I can't... I can't think of a whole lot of bands who, you know, can do all those things, like maintain indie cred, you know. The first uh, one that pops to mind is the Beastie Boys. Yeah, you know. In, all around the entire yeah. spectrum. Yeah, they, they, I don't, I, it's like, that's the whole thing, is like, I don't love the Beastie Boys, but how can you hate on them? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I fancy myself somewhat of a, a hater at times, yeah. you know. But I don't want to just hate the hate. Well, I'm let's lo- talk about I'm logical like, about it, you know. For, like for instance, like getting respect from each different little societal clique, you know. Is that, I think that's what we were talking about, right? Like in terms of like they can go to Brooklyn and get respect. They can go to L.A. and get respect from right. a punk crowd, right? From a hip hop crowd, from a country crowd. They could do right. the, 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 those country jams, right? You know? <laughs> but um, well, let's talk about you for a second. It's um. You've been in San Diego for how long? You're not. You're a transplant. Ten right? years. Ten years. Transplant. Ten years, and yeah, I mean, it'll it'll reach a certain point soon here where I'll have been in San Diego longer than I've been. And I've moved here from Atlanta, uh-huh. which was the place I lived, you know, for the most part. But, um, but yeah, it'll, soon it'll be. You know, I've lived here longer than than anywhere else. And I and I was all over the place. I was one of those Navy brats who was going all around and then um and then finally settled in Atlanta but I've been like you know in Australia and Brazil and uh you know the middle of the fucking Mojave Desert which <laughs> you know was not as cool as those other places I just mentioned but right. um but yeah um San Diego what uh what are your folks like what was your your childhood like Wow, we're getting deep. Uh, or we don't we don't have to get that we don't have to get that deep. But um, like let's say let's say musical influences around the Oh, house. okay. How about that? All right. My mom was huge into like soul music. My mom was huge. I mean, she played Marvin Gaye 
you know, all the time. And to this day, I mean, what's going on? Probably one of my favorite albums. There's a, a little known, like, uh, kind of singers and standards record that Marvin Gaye did that's unbelievable. And if you don't have it, it's called, it's just called Vulnerable. And it's, it's what he always wanted to be. He always kind of wanted to be the black Sinatra. Not a lot of people mm. know that. That he really wanted to just sit on a stool and like serenade people, you know. He didn't want to be at like, you know, doing doing the national anthem at the All Star game, you know. Less if you were a, if you were a black artist back then, there was like a, a certain amount of showmanship that you had to bring, and I think that he he grew up, you know, really you know admiring those you know, you know Frank Sinatra's and Dean Martin's and and you know wanted to be that cool cat with the drink and. You know, and not so much, you know, the the soul man of the 60s or 70s, yeah. you know? Did uh, did you have a lot of records playing in the house all the time? Yeah, my mom, you know, she didn't really like my my taste in music. I mean, I, I got into my formative years and was like, you know, I was obviously into like the big 80s artists at the time. But I mean, uh, I got into like metal and, and even like hair metal. I mean, even like the bad metal, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I remember when Chuck Klosterman came out with that book, uh, Fargo Rock City, and it was, you know, just about how uncool it was to be a metalhead in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> mm. But now it's kind of cool again, because it's like nostalgia or something, but... Right. Mm. But then I got into that crazy metal, you know, that, that devil metal, and my mom wasn't like a big Christian by any means, but, you know, when you have like pentagrams and slayer posters on your wall you know and you're yeah you're 11 your mom gets worried you know that just happens you know so um but yeah then i you know it was it was kind of all over the place but i was just all i really was i was all over this i'll throw i would throw on a cheap trick record one minute and throw on you know poison the next and then throw on slayer you know it was just all it was it was pretty all over the place as far as the rock and then you know around like 10 i discovered rap and you know, public, public enemy, and NWA, and all those. You know, too right. short. I was just talking about too short on Twitter right nice. just a minute ago, or on <laughs> Facebook. You know, somebody wrote something about too short being the new Johnny Cash, which I don't really know what that means. That but, sounds strange. But I did that. <laughs> right, and I mean that's all it said. There was no really anything after that. And then I posted this article I did for for City Beat actually, like. Like I would say, like five years ago, when Too Short was coming to town, and it was sort of like everything I ever learned from love, I learned from Too Short, <laughs> which is sounds really. I mean, if anybody's familiar with Too Short's music, it's about pimping and hoeing and having to slap a few motherfuckers around in the process. Right. But King of Oakland. Yeah, yeah, King of Oaktown, and then he, um, he, yeah, and so I, I was, you know talking about being an impressionable youth and and listening to you know these lyrics about you know bitch suck my dick (laughs) hurry the fuck up and you know after that i'm gonna go bust this motherfucker's ass and and like how that kind of shapes your concept of like what's right and what's yeah what's wrong and what's i don't i'm not saying like i would ever do anything of the you know two short lyrics but i just kind of took things that he said and and made it you know uh made it more about like a like like the Zen or the, uh, you know, <laughs> the Zen, of, the too zen of too short, you know, like these life lessons, these little nuggets in there that you were like, oh yeah, that's kind of like this, you know, that's, I don't know, maybe I should 
formulate some kind of book or zine all about it or something. Yeah, the, the, it could be the whole zen of hip-hop. The zen of There's hip-hop, I love that. There's something very honest in hip-hop. Right. That you don't get from a lot of other things. Yeah, I mean, that's what I, that's what I sort of did. This is a great idea, Mike. See? Minds, minds are colliding here. Uh, the zen of hip-hop, I love that. <laughs> it would be, yeah, it would just be like, here's this quote, you know? I uh, could do all the illustrations. Right. That perfect. Perfect. Let's make it happen. I love it. Um, this is yeah, this is this is gold mine waiting to happen. As we get all kinds of good ideas on the Live Free podcast. That's here. right. Uh, I would highly suggest coming here and doing this. <laughs> for anybody listening who's thinking about coming on, we're planning on doing a um, uh, a sort of audio book with the Bible, but having uh, one of our homeboys come up and do it in sort of his own lingo. Just sort of re-dictating a page, oh, I like love rewriting that. it in, in a sort that. of modern day uh, vernacular. <laughs> That's really cool. I hope would it, it be like would it be like stupid like would it be sort of like inner city vernacular or would it be like LOL said God? You I know, think, I think it's up to him. <laughs> right. I think it would more le- lean towards that sort of uh, urban. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think uh, <laughs> silliness, right? I think uh, no. You you have to, you guys should really check out. There was this, there was this show that came on probably, I'd say nine years ago. It was called um, Kung Fu. Did you ever see that? Uh-uh. I think that's what it's called, Kung Fu. And if, for anybody who hasn't seen it, it's hilarious. It, they took, you know, an hour and a half old kung fu flick, uh-huh. and 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 you know. Uh, got it down to like 30 minutes and then had, which is basically every Kung Fu movie, old Kung Fu movie. I don't know if you're into those, but anyone that you ever seen, it's like an hour and a half and probably an hour could be cut out and you still <laughs> right. have the whole story. Uh-huh. There's a lot of like them posing and I know you can't see me, but you know, <laughs> there's like a lot of posing and a lot of just like really bad story that you don't need. But um, anyway, so these, these rappers, like members of the Wu-Tang Clan and like, Cameron and like a whole bunch of people like Method Man I think is on there and the RZA and they all they all dub it you know nice. so it's like them going what's up motherfucker <laughs> and, and awesome. you know but it's like Bruce Lee yelling at you you uh-huh. know and it was it was it's hilarious like they just they just I know. used um on the last podcast I used or maybe one before that I used a, a RZA track that he did for a soundtrack for the Afro Samurai oh man and it was it was a is that a show? Is it a cartoon on Afro MTV Samurai? Yeah, that's like a uh, yeah. it's like some kind of weird. An- it's on Adult Swim. Yeah, all the time. Is that right? a, it's kind of skipped. This is it. a really good soundtrack. Like there's I'm some sure good it songs is. On there. If has, interludes. Yeah, if RZA has something to do with it, it's you know like that's you know an, a life philosophy of mine. If RZA's involved, it's, it can't be that bad. Yeah. Although I did see this movie Funny People the other night, and he was in it, and I was like, oof, dropped a few. I haven't seen that yet. It's called Funny People, and it's Adams. It was like an Adams. It wasn't like one of those oh, typical no, no, no. Adam Sandler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the uh, the and, Judd Apatow. Film. Yeah, the Judd Apatow movie with the. I um, liked it actually. With the Green Hornet. What's that guy's name? Uh, Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. Yeah, yeah, he's like the Green Hornet. When I heard and I, the Rizzo's part, and it was great. Even yeah, it was short. Yeah, he was like just yeah his buddy or whatever. I just liked when he was in that uh, Jim Jarmusch movie, and he was like. Bill motherfucking Murray. That's what I was gonna bring up. I think yeah. that may be Bill Murray's best role <laughs> in really? his entire career since since Caddyshack, since everything. All right, wow. You don't like you're not a Bill Murray fan. No, no, no. I love Bill Murray. Oh, okay. I think everything he does is great. I was like, I really he... think that 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 
That's like the best role he did. Is is like my favorite two minute clip of Bill Murray. Yeah, he's he's. I mean, really. I, I mean, he's hilarious. In yeah, I was I was gonna say Bill Murray's like you know the beast. I just watched Zombieland. Just yeah, I I was that's so weird. I was just about to bring that up. Like, I, I was that was even that role and that kind of bad movie was pretty cool. I thought that movie was funny. You thought that movie was yeah. cool? I I thought it but was. I, I thought it was entertaining. I'm typically not in like I'm a documentary guy. I, t- right. I barely ever watch feature films, but we started watching um, all the Judd Apatow stuff. Mm-hmm. I I listened to him on um, the Mark Maron podcast mm-hmm. and. Uh, Crystal got really into Undeclared and his uh, Freaks and Geeks. Oh, yeah, those were both both of those great shows, yeah. And really, it's the same story throughout all those things, so we got into watching them. But that one, the Adam Sandler one, The Funny People, that shit is sad. Yeah, well, um, it was, was I don't know, that that movie just was pretty bad in general. But I kind of think that maybe it might be more realistic. What, Funny People? Yeah. Are we talking about the same movie? I hope we are. What? You were talking about Zombieland. No, yeah. We were talking about Zombieland. Yeah, back, the Adam Sandler movie where right. he gets cancer. Right. Then, yeah. That's, I, that's funny th- people, right? There were scenes in it that were good. It just, you know, it just didn't, it just went on for too long and then the, he gets the girl back, but he doesn't. It's just like, uh, the what end the was fuck stupid. is going on? Uh, the end was stupid. Yeah. The middle chunk of the story part I found really fascinating. I mean, I've been, I, I felt like they took parts of the script out and just kind of placed them. And weird spots because yeah, like the, the plot just didn't flow, and you were. But the scenes where he's with the doctor that looks like the guy from Die Hard, those are hilarious. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> where for he's sure. just like harassing this like Swedish doctor, and the doctor's like, "Why are you making fun of me?" All all his work is pretty good. All the that was a really bad work. Swedish accent, by the way. <laughs> no, that's what it was. <laughs> Speaking know. of the Swedes, what do you think of the WikiLeaks stuff? They're gonna snatch that, that dude up and put him in a cell somewhere. That's really awesome. I mean, he's pretty much. Across the threshold of, you know, we're just kind of like this funky little, I don't, what are they? Like, they're journalists? I don't know. You know, like, what are they? Yeah. You know, because they're, all they're doing is just basically releasing stuff. They're not writing anything. Yeah, it's but not like, made up. But like, when, when, I mean, really, like, to me, that's like a result of, you know, a result and a response to bad media, you know? Yeah. And, you know, just like democracy now or or you know a news program like that where it's just here's the news and that's the way it is and in, in britain that's the way it all is a lot of places but i think wikileaks is is just the direct result of you know the fox news and the news cores of the world and yeah. you know uh they're fucking chasing dude down yeah and and, and really like somewhere. i mean when when the goddamn Secretary of State comes out and says, like, you're, you know, basically a terrorist. I'm paraphrasing Clinton, of course, but I think, uh, you know, I think when the Secretary of State calls you out, you got problems, so... Well, did you notice all the stories that came out today or yesterday about how everyone thinks the State Department, everyone thinks the State Department looks much better now from these leaks? Have you seen any of this? Right. That because... Yeah, a lot of it's like they're actually doing their job. You know, right? You know, right. and it's it's just funny how a lot of people get. It, it seemed like the most controversial stuff was the stuff that didn't really matter. You yeah. know, like the fact that uh, what's the guy? What's the guy um, that we hated in the eighties? The guy that was the guy that has like a Swedish nurse or something that goes with him everywhere. Did you see this? Mm. Oh man, I'm gonna kick myself later. It's the Libyan, the Libyan dictator. Gaddafi? Gaddafi, yeah. Is that him? Uh-huh. Yeah, Gaddafi, 
like one of the, the things that they were talking about on Yahoo and you were like, why did you latch onto this story? You know, uh, yeah. it was like the fact that he has, you know, a, a consort or some sort of hooker following him around everywhere. Yeah. You know, and that's like part of his entourage. <laughs> like that was like the big story. Like, really? I mean, they just told you that, you know, they're still sending political prisoners to countries and, you know, yeah. uh, div- what is it called? Not divine intervention. <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe that's what they think. What is it called? No, what is it called when they when they start exporting, you know, enemy combatants? Extradition? Extradition. Well, it's not extradition because they're not being summoned by that country. So what I'm talking about is like, you know, the American government shipping, you know, people they deem are hostile or whatever over to whatever and they and and, hey, if you let us put two prisoners. Enemy combatants. There was a there was a, a term they used for it, like back when it was, you know, it was like 2004 or whatever when it was like, oh my god. Uh, and they made a movie by the same name with Tom Cruise and like Meryl Streep and it was really bad. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, anyway, fuck. Um, anyway, but I thought that, you know, like the fact that it's like out there in black and white that our government is sending, you know, citizens to these prisons in foreign countries and in, in exchange those foreign countries get 20 minutes for the president. That's yeah. pretty. Yeah, that's pretty fucked up. Yeah, the whole thing is pretty weird. It's funny. I read a see. I read maybe like just started clicking like fifteen of the of the uh, cables. Mm-hmm. Is it cabal? I thought it was. I spelled it like a cabal. Mm-hmm. You know. I think that's right. Yeah. But I looked at the spelling mm-hmm. and it's C A B L E S like cables. Is what? it just enunciated differently? Yeah. I've never heard that before. So. Um, yeah, either, I should. Either it's way. probably like in the AP style book. I just don't know it. Yeah, yeah. they. Uh, it really sounded like high school girls passing notes to one another. Like the right. like the ten that I picked was like, Joey's picking on me on the on the playground. You know, like right. and obviously maybe a little bit more serious, but like Tony can't be the head of our boys club or right. you know, you know right. something fucking weird and like childish and right. strange. Yeah, and you know there's fucking. 250,000 of them or something. Mm. I just read 10. Right. And they, like, literally made me laugh. I was like, a couple of them, I said, you know, holy shit. Right. Like, the Saudi Arabia stuff, like, right. showing how Saudi Arabia and Israel yeah. control Middle Eastern... Yeah, and they want they want America to bomb Iran right now. They're like, come on, let's do this shit. Yeah. We got your back. But, you know, that's not really cool to, you know... I think, you know, if the Bush years proved anything, that uh, it's... let's not start any more fights because we're a little overstretched. Well, I think is. somebody had mentioned somewhere about uh, that some of the cabals mm-hmm. uh, mention of war already taking place in Pakistan. Right. Like. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, that northeastern tip, is that where it is? Yeah, north northeastern tip is like, I mean, that's pretty much part of Afghanistan almost. And, you know, it, it just, they... It's amazing, like, every, you know, every, you know, month it seems I read a story where we're giving so much money to them. Like, we're giving them so much money in aid and stuff. Mm-hmm. And and it's not just to, you know, help us fight terrorism, which they're not doing at all. Like, everybody's come out and said, like, Pakistan's doesn't care. And they're, you know, they're not supporting us or whatever and our mission there or whatever. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, and it's just, it's really weird, and I think it's like, here's some money, please don't bomb India, 
you know, here's some money, please don't fuck with us, you know, yeah. as much, you know, as much as you want to. And it's just, it's almost like they're, you know, buying, you know, kind of buying the government, you know, to not do anything stupid. Yeah. You know? Just in case they do. Don't fuck with our opium fields. Right, exactly. Please. Yeah, don't burn those, especially. Yeah. We need meds. Right. <laughs> right. Fucking assholes. But, um, yeah, that's, I don't know. Yeah. So, back to you. Back to After me. After we got that foreign policy. Yeah, we had a little Lincoln Douglas action right there. <laughs> when, uh, when did you start writing? I don't know, like kindergarten? Let's preface, well, let's preface this. You, uh, you primarily do uh, writing about music? I would say yes. I would say primarily yes. Um, so at some point, were you like, fuck, I want to write about some music? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of that, you know, uh, cathartic moment, um, and I can't really place it. I mean, I reckon it was somewhere around, you know, in my high school years where I was like, oh, I, you know, I have like, this is really embarrassing, and um, I have. Every, We're all about being honest here. Yeah, man. We, we I have, have no. no I have every single Rolling. I have every single Rolling Stone magazine since 1984. Like I have. Ah, uh, you should be embarrassed. All of them. <laughs> like I mean, they're in my closet, and uh-huh. I just am like too ashamed to get rid of them. So I think there was always that fascination, you know, with music journalism, and um, I even uh, proposed. Uh, I always hated Elvis Costello for saying, um, I, I really like, I can't get into Elvis Costello's music as much just because he's such a dick sometimes. But he said one time that writing about music is, is like dancing about architecture. (laughs) (laughs) What a dick. And I was like, I couldn't, you know, disagree with you more. You're, you know, you're a dick. And <laughs> that's, I, yeah, I'm talking to Elvis Costello. Right um, and, uh, he might be on my friends list. Though. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, nobody's perfect. Um, yeah, but yeah, he's, yeah, he pissed me off when he said that. But um, so much so that I recently proposed to somebody in the, in, in, the, in the theater community that I really wanted to put on a show, a dance show, and, you know, get like ballerinas and, you know, modern dancers to come out or whatever. And I don't know anything about dance, really. <laughs> but you know, I, what I would love to do, you know, someday is put on a dance show about architecture. Okay. Yeah, you should. Do and that. I would invite the shit out of Elvis Costello. <laughs> <laughs> I have his PR people. I know their number, you know, I can call them up. You should make that happen. <laughs> and I want them to come. And then I want to show them my nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> yeah, he might. He, yeah. All right. So yeah, I think anyway. <laughs> to answer your question really succinctly, I in high school I probably got interested in writing about music, and then it just kind of extended on to the, into the college years, and and now I would fancy myself a writer. What about um? Are there authors that uh, you were into at a young age that? That could have influenced you to to take that sort of creative path. Yeah, I mean, uh, as far as music writers go, I mean, I was really into like you know uh, Cameron Crowe, who, as much as I hate to say it, kind of sucks now. But um, I mean, not because he's you know not cool, but because he makes bad movies. Last night we played the uh, the Tiny Dancer scene mm-hmm. on YouTube. And just rocked it. We played like that's a, like one of the best scenes 
you know, that's that's the only credit I will give Cameron Crowe is because the guy was a music writer and knows so much about music. He has a tendency to like kind of go and you know play songs from the past. Mm-hmm. You know, like you'll never hear like you know a soundtrack. Well, other we played than, Rocket other... Man too. I, I saw you had posted something about Rocket Man. It's one of the greatest songs ever, man. We like, we had Elton John right. with the little set. That's right. Night. Yeah, I mean Elton John and and Bernie Taupin, man, they they killed it. I mean, I I I don't know. Like Elton John to me is like one of the most underrated singers of all time we even did the um the guns and roses elton john november rain whoa from the when did this MTV happen tv music oh the 91 or 92 mtv music video awards. Rocked it. dude that's right i forgot they came out on dueling pianos dueling pianos. oh that was awful elton john he didn't sing anything he just yeah. sat there and rocked it right oh, <laughs> it was so good that was one of we played like 10 songs last night how awesome were the guns and roses videos Oh my god! We I played a few of them. Somebody had like man a, a, made a playlist. <laughs> you just made me think of November, the November, the epic November rain video, dude. Uh, how when it gets to that transition from the piano, like the soft piano, right. to like the slash part, right? Slash gets up on. It looks like he gets up on the piano, so I think <laughs> it's behind it, and does like that slash dance. Yeah, the slash dance, which is just like kind of minimal moving around. Unbelievable! <laughs> I put I put it on my Facebook. Yeah. Oh my god, I must have missed that. Um, I'm gonna have to go back and watch that. Fan fucking. I haven't. I mean, <laughs> I think yeah. I think wasn't that like the same year that Michael Jackson kissed Lisa Marie or something? Yeah, probably. Yeah, that, that was, was that crazy. was the, the that. All I'm saying is Guns N' Roses and Elton John got shortchanged by you know by the controversy of Michael Jackson kissing yeah. somebody who wasn't a little boy. So Elton John did that Eminem collab at one point too. I don't yeah, know that, just, but that, that, that isn't just, anyway. that We should just good. leave that alone. Yeah, that just one wasn't as good. I mean, you know, come on. It's like, I don't want to see... First of all, I hated that song, Stan. I don't think it was the only Eminem song that I really hated. And he was... Yeah, he... But everybody loves that song, Stan. Yeah. He, like, but he had... It was an image thing, right? Like, he had to clear up... It's the art of storytelling, yeah. Well, he had to clear up all his issues with the gay community. Oh yeah, so that was same, like a big thing, right? Same, then. yeah, same, same album, yeah, where he was just like, yeah, yeah, you know, I don't know what remember what he said. I don't want to. No, weird. Do you think that like was something that would be like the artist idea, or it's all PR scientists? I'm not. I'm not too conspiratorial when it comes to PR, just because most PR people are idiots. Um, <laughs> So I don't really think that they would have the mental capacity, like the mental fortitude to uh, actually spin some kind of story into a positive, you know? Right. I don't know. Maybe there are, I I guess there are people like that who, you know, they, they're people, actors have handlers and managers and, you know, they handle their shit, but I don't know. I, I don't think, I don't think there's anybody in the PR world who could take, you know, somebody like Eminem saying, I think they could bury it. And make, you know, like, oh, but, yeah, it's like you said, like, him playing with Elton John. Hey, everybody, I'm cool with the gays now. <laughs> right. You know? Right. Even though I really don't think that he is. You know? Yeah. Your guess is as good as, as, good as mine. Um, so, writing. Back to writing. How we, I don't know how we got to Eminem. Because we were talking about via Elton John. how awesome Guns N' Roses were back in the day and what, what a damn shame that Axel resurfaced. 
I know. <clears> so like bad. if he had That's never exactly what I was thinking. Like hearing him, like he has these couple parts in, right. in the November Rain thing where he really like puts it to it. All right. And he has that Axl Rose sound. Like nobody else. Nobody sounds like Axl Rose like that. Nobody sounds like Axl so Rose. So unique. Right. And I was just like, damn man, that's original. Why did you go and fuck up your whole scene? It, you know, and not I even mean, like a from a purist right. standpoint, like right. come I'm, on, dude. He you can tell like his heart's not in it anymore. You know? Yeah. Like he doesn't have obviously he's not the same Axel Rose that was on Appetite Restruction or even Use Your Illusion. I mean he's, It's almost like you need that sorrow, <clears throat> right? That toughness that it's, they had to go right. through. It's like it's like there's so many of those like tragedy stories, you know, in not to get all like behind the music or anything right now, but VH1, right? Yeah. Now. <laughs> no, I mean, but there's so many of those stories. It's like, you know, Axel, you know, went somewhere and found a guru. I, there's like that whole story, like really? how he got like, yeah, he got like shamaned or was he taking it, hallucinogens? I don't know what I he was so. doing. He was somewhere like in New Mexico somewhere with this guru and oh yeah, you know, the guru, and then yeah, so but he's so but he's so like has that self-fulfillment like people who read the secret and shit and Uh actually apply it or i don't know you know and then so now he feels so self-actualized and one with himself that anything he produces musically even though it's total shit and anybody listening to it can be like this is the worst that chinese democracy album was the worst shit i've ever heard yeah you know i mean you know to to to, to, yeah to be let's run let's run with this idea so, a, a big topic on the podcast lately, because I'm always having creative types come mm-hmm. on the show and, and, and talk about, like, process and things, mm-hmm. has been <clears throat> that sort of zen meditative phase that we get to in doing the work. Mm-hmm. So, for me, I uh, I say that I paint the same painting over and over again. <clears throat> it's just a brush stroke after a brush stroke after a brush stroke. Right. It just turns out to look a little different. Right. And within that process... I sort of meditate in that, like, I don't think about, like, my out outward stresses, like, right. paying my bills and doing fucking silly-ass shit. I would assume that in writing, you, you may find that same sort of comfort zone. Mm-hmm. I, I use Zen phase because right. I don't have any other definitive right. term to, yeah, to, there's de- a lot of... to define it, but, and that has weird connotations right. attached to it, but without all that, like, there's something that happens right. in that, in that, in middle of it's like it's like reaching REM sleep or something right, right? like I'll, I'll say that sometimes I don't even remember doing the painting mm-hmm. I know that I did it but like it's like when you drive how you how your your brain shuts down other outside processes so right. like when you do that stretch of two miles and you're like hmm I don't remember that last two miles our brain is shutting down all the extra sensory mm-hmm. parts of itself that it doesn't need it can function on this low level frequency or you know, this low level amount of brain work mm-hmm. to just conserve its energy, right? Right. So I think it's something like in the creative process, I think we find that same level, mm-hmm. that same sort of meditative phase that, that people who do mantras or people who meditate or do, do yoga or something, mm-hmm. how they sort of escape this everyday mundane reality. Right. Do you find that that, that happens to you in the writing process? You know, it's really hard these days. It's harder. I, I think... You know, to to make a pretty declarative statement, I think being a writer nowadays is harder than ever. Like being yeah, a good writer, uh, being a good writer. I mean, <coughs> you know, there's number one, you're doing it on on a computer, which has a thousand distractions. 
You know, it's like even if you get in that zone phase, it's like, oh, I gotta check out what's going on on Facebook. You know, and being like, and especially being like a music critic or a music writer or even an art writer, you you have to be on top of your shit all the time. You know, like I mean, I feel competitive that way. You know, where I want to write about that band before anybody else does. You know, and getting that scoop. So it's like if I don't. You know, we were talking about earlier in the show about me being kind of behind as far as the the local music. It's like it's amazing, you know, if you just tune out for like a couple months, how much you lose, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it, it, you know, I haven't really read a whole lot of current writers that really do it for me. So I, I don't know. That makes me believe that even though they were working on typewriters and you know just writing it, you know, actually like putting yeah. pen to paper. That because they had less distractions, they could get into that zen uh, thing you were talking about, that zone. Um, so it's it's kind of hard for me to write. And like, you know, I told somebody one time, uh, a good friend who's also a writer, I said, if you, do, if you don't write something and part of your soul dies and it's not worth writing, I mean, it's a little heavy. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, really, like, I feel like, every, I mean, I it could be like the stupidest of things. And I'll I'll have struggled with it for a while, and it, I'm not a, a great self editor. You know, it's <laughs> a, definitely a weakness. And I'm just like sitting there going like, oh, there's something not right with this, you know. But even though I'm highly critical, I I do have a, a certain amount of confidence in my abilities to, you know, tell people like, you know, this is what's cool. This is what I like. This is you know something worth writing about. But I I feel like I also you know, can make it entertaining, not to yeah. boast or anything, you know, but I, I don't think that there, um, are that many local music writers who, um, are as awesome as me. Well, let me ask you this, um, because of, of that sort of process of, of writing about music all the time, do you do any other type of, uh, writing work? Or not even work, but like creative work. Like, oh yeah, man. are you interested in doing novels or or short stories or anything like? Oh, that? Oh, absolutely. Like I haven't written a short story since who knows how long. But um, yeah, man. I mean, I definitely have like these sketches. Like I have so many sketches. It's like Leonard Cohen. Like Leonard Cohen could work on a song for like ten years. Yeah. And it just would never be right. Like a skeleton. Yeah, he would just kind of. Well, on. yeah. I think he compared like in this documentary, he compared it to like pulling out. You know, like something like a box from underneath your bed uh-huh. and and finding, you know, whatever it was that made you care about something in the first place. And you're like, oh, yeah. Like, and then you just work on it a little bit and you put it away. So, I don't know. Anyway, he he was somebody who worked like that. But I, I did know. a Leonard Cohen portrait. I got commissioned to do one. Nice. I really like to see that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, what the hell were we talking about? Um uh, writing and music, oh, right. novels and, and other yeah, types of, novels, of creative writing. Yes. Yeah, obviously, uh, I kind of zoned out there for a minute. It happens. We, um, we have many different little portals that we'll run down and we'll forget <laughs> which one led where. It happens. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know. Um, creative writing. Oh, yes. I do want to. I do have a novel I've been working on for, you know, forever. And it's just, you know, it's just little sketches, mm-hmm. you know, just little pieces here and there and. I'll get an idea for one part and I'll write it down. And I have a great idea for a graphic novel as far as uh, I have the story, like I have the gist of the story. Again, like the, you know, the, the bits and pieces, like the main plot. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always just been interested in doing that. I have a great idea for one, and it'd probably be like the total sellout move to do like a vampire graphic novel, but fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about screenplays? How many screenplays have you written? I don't, I can't get into screenplays. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to do the graphic novel and then have them give me money for the movie rights or whatever, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> i just be like, please take it. I don't want it, you know? Um, give me some money. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. That's what's tough about doing these creative jobs. There isn't no. There isn't a lot of dough. And, I, and yeah. that's what I think when you say right. that like it's harder than ever for, right. for writers to even work with, right. with print media seemingly dying out or... Or evolving into something different. <clears throat> I, I, I think it's the same for illustrators, too. A lot of illustrators aren't getting those uh, magazine jobs that they were getting. Right. And everyone's, like, scrambling. Right. You know? Well, somebody said the other day that, you know, the reason print media is dying is because it got bad. You know? And, you know... I, I kind of want to believe that, but it's not completely true. I mean, I obviously, so. the, yeah, you know, I mean, really, like, it's like the internet. I mean, the internet's the internet. I mean, it it, That's all it, it is. killed it's, it. It killed it's it. the speed of information. Right. And and I think you know that what newspapers need to do, and and I think it's headed in this direction, not as quickly as we might think. I think the the direction they're headed is is it's sort of like KPBS or NPR. It's like people pay them you know, like pledge drives, uh-huh. you know, they're going to get into like the, you know, the org, you know, and let's do the yeah. podcast scene is blowing the fuck up. Right. It's crazy. Like right. people are, that's where people are going to get information. Like right. you can go get your news sources from people who are like right. us, who are, are, are digging through information every day and who aren't trying to necessarily blow smoke up your ass. Right. Now, not to say that there isn't plenty of those types of people. Right. But there's people having conversations that aren't being had in the in the general public mm-hmm. or in the media at all. Right. You know, and I think, <clears throat> and that's the way a lot of the podcasts are set up is donations. So people right. are doing mm-hmm. these things and people throw five bucks at, mm-hmm. on PayPal or get some special t-shirt or some special right. fucking information or some bullshit, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, it, you know, the first podcast I ever listened to was... Um, that Ricky Gervais show podcast, man, I, I, I'm obsessed with that. Yeah. I'm obsessed with that whole, I'm obsessed with the guy on that show, Carl Pilkington. I mean, he's, he's, I don't, have you ever listened to this? No, uh uh-uh. Oh man, you need to download it immediately. It's, yeah, you know who Ricky Gervais yeah, is, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, He has like this podcast, um, and he's had it for, it started out as a, a an actual FM radio, uh, uh, show that he did. And then... You know that they he had this he had his uh, his friend with him the guy who co-wrote the office Stephen Merchant yeah so he had him and his friend and this guy that they worked with at the radio station who just became like this sort of radio sensation and he he just his name's yeah Carl Pilkington and he's just like this like just normal Joe flubby Britain you yeah. know Britain O N you know uh, the country but like you know he's just you know. He just says the stupidest shit, and it's <laughs> hilarious. I can't just, I can't. What's the really name explain of the show? It. It's called the Ricky Gervais Show, and it's just, it started out as a podcast. You have to actually download it for money, for like, but it's like 12, 30 minute episodes for like five ninety five or yeah. something, you know. And it's so worth it. It's like, it's six hours of you know just absolute hilariousness. 
I have six or seven podcasts that I listen to pretty regularly. Right. Just whenever they pop up, I'll put them on the iTunes. We have such a long commute, it's it's rad. I can right. listen to two podcasts a day, basically, right. just in killing the commute. The only the the only podcast that I really listen to religiously that I mean and I hate to admit this because most of my news, like the you know, I stay up on current events, but it it mostly comes from, you know, looking it up online. It's not from a podcast. Yeah. Um you know, and then, uh, but I do listen to three very regularly, Ricky Gervais being one of them, because they do these one-offs every now and then, and then, um, the hate cast, oh, uh-huh. I, I so want to be on this woman's show, she, she, she writes a column for The Onion, her name is, uh, <laughs> Amelie Gillette, and she just hates on shit, she's just a hater, and it's, <laughs> it's awesome, she just, like, she was, like, I was listening to one on the way over, she was talking about this new movie called cowboys and indians uh-huh. every or not cowboys and indians cowboys and aliens <laughs> <laughs> cowboys and aliens and it i don't know if, you, if you've seen the trailer it looks like yeah. the biggest piece of shit of all time yeah it was it looks like got harrison ford and daniel craig you know james uh-huh. bond and they're like you know cowboys and then there's aliens and then they're trying to shoot them and you're like Jesus that looks Christ. really really dumb and she was just hating on it this girl and and you got you gotta you gotta download that she just kind of just rags on people like rags on but people that we would rag on yeah, yeah you know like she's like talking about how paris hilton is like the dumbest bitch ever you know and it's just nice it's refreshing and and vulgar and oh like, man i can't deal with all that shit no 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 you don't you don't get on the haterism not really man but, it's like sometimes i part of the reason why is sometimes i can hear like the sadness behind like hating on things you know Mm, like that's a good point so for instance i was i was saying before like i've I've become sort of fascinated with stand-up comedy Mm -hmm. which i had always sort of like i had respect for but sort of disliked because i could always hear the sadness it was like these comedians are funny because they're sad oh well like you know i think who said that who said like uh you know somebody actually said like the only you know comedians that were ever worth a damn were all really really depressed sad yeah people. it's like watching a stripper you know yeah. she looks hot but you know she's sad <laughs> i know? wouldn't go i mean that's a pretty good analogy but <laughs> so and i and i understand it you know like i get it and and part of me so i i like i kind of hated on comedy right. a little bit because i was like i hear what's there but then I, I became fascinated with the uh with the ability the ability to control a crowd right. or uh, you know, being able to perform. Right. Um, and so, but I could still hear that sadness and it makes, right. it makes me a little like, it bums me out <laughs> a little bit. But yeah, hey, I if mean, something sucks, it sucks. But she's, right? she's cool though. She's here's, cool. She's like, she, I think, I think she does it in a way where you don't, where you, where you're not, I don't know. She does have like sort of a lilt to her voice where you might sense some sadness, but I don't <laughs> care, man. Who the fuck? I mean, who the? Here's, I mean, here's no, no. But here's a better question, Mike. Hold on. Okay. Here's a better question. Who in the world, whether we're talking about art, music, you know, anything artistic in the world, who wasn't a genius and wasn't sad? You know, what I mean, who? I mean, say who was? Oh, a no, geni- no, no. Who was a genius is. and wasn't sad? It took me finding yeah. that in myself to right. stop hating on comics. I'm like. Wait, I make these little things because of sadness. Right. You know, I'm the same thing. Right, Creative right. People are all, it's all the same thing with yeah. just different avenues to release that stress. I don't know but, too many people in the artistic community who are worth worth a damn who aren't, like, fucked up on 
many levels, you know? Yeah, it takes, it, there's something in the creative mind, right? right. It kind of takes those early on stresses or whatever, right. whatever creates, whatever causes. We have a lot of character, you know? Yeah, we, we, we do, nice we do, because we, we, we've, if we didn't love doing this, we wouldn't do it, we, you know? Right. So here's part of the thing with, with, with the haters and, and whatnot. When I when part of the podcast, we've been talking about how it's important to to support creative endeavors, mm-hmm. like even when people aren't that good. Right. So, so there there's got to be a, a a line separating people who make cowboy versus alien movies. Like mm-hmm. they're just trying to make a dollar. Like mm-hmm. this is somebody really putting their heart and soul, like artistic right. effort into something, and then it, there's a difference between that and somebody who's really putting their all into whatever they know how to do to make this creative thing to deal with whatever fucked up issue they got right right let's say the general masses don't really perceive that thing that they created as being good you know or aesthetically pleasing or or any of those like qualities that we bestow something as being good or bad right like i i always i the point of I'm trying to make is that it's important to support those people even when they're making bad stuff to right. to not squash that that creative spark that that exists yeah. in some people that are because I know listen yeah. I made I made a ton of shitty paintings for right. a long time right that I'm like embarrassed about right right I don't need to be but like it took doing all that bad work to be able to make the good work. Like, that was just a natural progression. Mm-hmm. And But I was putting that shit out there. Like, hey, I'm an artist, motherfuckers. Look at these I, things I'm making. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't, because... So you don't agree with, with supporting I, I, the creative I, endeavor, even if it doesn't suit your, your aesthetic tastes? No. Because, I, I mean, as much... No, because, I mean... As much as, as much as I could, would consider myself a writer, I think I'm much more of a critic. You know, like I think I, I, I don't know. Like, and as a critic, like I have, I know what I like and I know what I don't. You know, and yeah. if if some guy who, you know, sends me his CD and and you know he desperately wants to sound like Sublime or something, some band that I just really can't stand like i don't really like sublime we're gonna have a sublime discussion are we oh god i just really don't like them and and i think there's just too much of the i know i'm just saying just sublime i'm just saying like anybody like he he sends me his cd and it's just so bad and you're like you should give up and because the world needs bankers and the world needs lawyers and the world needs all these fucking people who rule the world like you should stop playing guitar and go do that instead because that's obviously what you what you were meant to do not music because it's not music and i think it's i don't think that it's so important to support those people because they suck you, does part of you believe that 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 those those people won't improve you can you can hear something or you can look at something and you can tell. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm just an elitist that way, or maybe I'm just a dick that way. But I feel like I can look at something or hear something and tell whether or not that person's going to improve. And it's it sounds like a it's a dick. Right, thing. Me, it's a, a good, it's good. a dick thing to say. It really is. But like when I mean, really, come on, Mike. I, mean, I got you've been, you've for been that. to some places where you looked at something, and you were like, that is really bad. Oh yeah, no you doubt. Know, and they should stop. I don't ever think people should stop. Because, see, that it gets back to that, like, zen phase, like, therapeutic 
avenue that, that, oh, okay. that people who yeah. are on a creative pathway I got are it. taking, right? I'm cool with that. Just do it to do it, but don't show it to me or don't make me listen to it. Well, nobody's <laughs> forcing you to look at it. Or, I know nobody's forcing it. me, but it's like, uh, you know, what if you just stumble But here's the segue if on that idea. Uh, I typically, when I'm listening to music, like mm. I have, there's a certain pattern that I find in all music, like rhythms or something that's like, oh, that's my pattern that I, that I connect to on some bizarre level that I don't understand or, or even want to define, right? right? It's just, there's a rhythm that I connect to and I can find it in all different types of music, right? But sometimes I'll listen to something and I'll know right away that I, that I love it, right? Right. And then sometimes I'll listen to a song and think, I'm, I'll never like this song. Right. And then after listening to it a couple times, I'll like it. Right. Right? There's, so let's, let's... There's certainly, yeah, there's certainly those examples where, like, an album has grown on you. Like, uh-huh. I don't think I loved OK Computer when it first came out. Uh-huh. But after I listened to it a few times, I was like, this is fucking genius. Right. You know, same way, same with Kid A, not to get on the whole Radiohead tip, but, I mean, they're pretty fucking amazing. But, um, yeah, so, but you were, you, I interrupted you, I'm sorry, but go ahead. Well, yeah, that well, that was that was the the idea. Like, so were, so if if you look at or hear a song from somebody and you're like, right. "Fuck, that could never ever be good." How can you relate that to to finding an album? Like, obviously, comparing a shitty right. new musician to Radiohead isn't a good comparison. But if at one point you're like, "Eh," right. then a week later you're like, "Oh shit, that's genius." Well, I think you know it's it it, it it's. You know, that's what pop is, you know, and that's what pop, you know, is to the masses or whatever is like something that's, yeah, I mean, a gr- great example of this would be like Lady Gaga, you know, I don't really like her that much, I, you know, but there's just something about her stupid videos and like those catchy little beats <laughs> and you're just like, fuck, I kind of like this fucking song. God you know? damn, you're talking shit about Sublime and then you go into Lady Gaga. I mean, really, like, you know, it's it's just like... I, the, I'm not... uh, the keyboard player at the La Jolla Comedy Store mm-hmm. does an amazing fucking Lady Gaga cover. <laughs> so I spoke to join with him in I the think, back alley. It's fucking fantastic. I think Rick Lyons over at the Imperial Room has added that to his repertoire as well. I mean, I don't know. It's just one of the... It's, I think she's she's definitely unique or whatever, but uh, she's yeah. I, there's just something about pop music. I think this guy. There was this guy who wrote this book uh, a couple of years ago, and it was called "How Your Brain Works on Music" or something like that. Uh-huh. And you know, he did like this pretty you know uh, extensive scientific study of of what our brain does when it listens to music, and you know. Reading it, you know, you find out, like, oh, that's why I have, you know, a predilection for country songs or whatever. Yeah, you know? yeah. And it's that's a pretty, that same pattern thing. Yeah, man. it's a pretty interesting book. I mean, he, he really kind of shows you, like, oh, okay, well, if your right frontal lobe is somewhat skewed or whatever, you probably, you might like, you know, Sublime or you might like, <laughs> you might like Guns N' Roses <laughs> yeah, or whatever, yeah, you know? weird. And it's... Yeah, it's, it was a pretty it was a pretty out there book. People should check it out. I love all. I, I can't remember the title of it. Of course, I think it's called like "Your Brain on Music" or something. Yeah, <laughs> and the guy and the guy was a great music writer back in like the '90s. He wrote for Rolling Stone, and I remember his byline. But um, but now he, he but he like he left music journalism to go into like neural science. Yeah, I weird. love all that shit, man. I've been yeah. studying the brain quite a bit for yeah. like, the last year. Oh man, I'm really fascinated by it, especially dream states and right. and like. Like the way we function and it right. fucking blows my mind. Yeah, me too. 
I love I love neurology and I took a class in college um, uh, called the pharmacology of psychoactive drugs. And yeah, I think we talked about that. Oh, did we? Yeah, maybe during our interview. Can we talk about that you interviewed me, or can we not talk about that? Oh yeah, we, of course. I'm not. I'm not in the why, tear sheet. Why would Why wouldn't we be able to? Well, because that was a sort of transition period for you there. Oh no, that's fine. No, I no 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 no. That's that. No. Okay. Oh wait, wait, I mean Riviera. Yeah. To City Beat. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, we can talk about that. We can talk about all those things. I mean, it's okay, it, it's, no, sure. it's it's no. not in your tear sheet, my friend. I looked for myself. What do you mean a tear? What do you mean my tear sheet? You're, don't you have a on your thing like pictures of all your your articles and stuff? Or do you not have that? Where on the internet somewhere? No, I don't. Oh. I mean, you can Google my name, and you can uh, you know. I always thought about you know setting up some sort of website for myself or something like that, but no, I don't. There's no place where you can find all of my articles and I don't think I have a tear sheet I have like a an old school binder with like a lot of, <laughs> you know nice. that I can show people you yeah. know but I'm not you know I, I'm behind man I'm a Luddite in a lot of ways you know so let's to get stuff. to that class I uh we've been pumping um oh the pharmacology the use of, of of hallucinogenic right uh, natural hallucinogenic right. Uh, materials um, promoting that yeah I promote that heavily um I don't often do it, but um, that's and, just because... And it, it'll that's tie me- back to the Guns N' Roses shaman. <laughs> right. Because um, if I do, I'll make Chinese democracy. <laughs> you know? Just no. rewrite it? I know how my brain works. I'd end up doing, you know, I'd, I'd end up running around in my underwear and <laughs> punching out ambulance drivers or something. Um, what the fuck? What is the question again? I don't know. What are we talking about? You're, you, you, uh... Your college days. Oh, my... Pharmacology. The pharmacology class, right. Um, wow, I learned a lot of interesting shit about how drugs affect the brain in that class. It was... So let me ask you this. It was pretty crazy. I mean, did you know that there's no such, really, like, no scientific proof of flashbacks? Like, people don't really, they say, they say people have them, but people have them just as much if they're not, if they've never done LSD or anything like uh-huh. any other hallucinogen. Yeah. They are also as likely, you know, the same percentage point to have flashbacks interesting I, the uh, experience of what we call a flashback and then suddenly somebody started this rumor that like oh you know i experimented a lot with lsd in my younger days and uh i would notice sometimes when like it would just be like an unfocusing of the eyes where mm-hmm. you know when your eyes get lazy and they're like i'm not going to focus on right. this anymore where it would look like the wall breathed like it does when right. when, when you eat acid or like the wall would like shift down, like almost melt, like that little shift in like movement that, right. that things do. Like they don't like move, but it looks like it just is in a different position or something. You know, LSD's a funny. It, I mean, I was just about to say LSD's a funny drug. Let me ask you this real quick before I want to get your opinion. Um, I'm under the impression that that the the psychoactive effects that take place in our brain right. are already there right and that the That's drugs what, that we right. ingest are just keys in mm-hmm. the ignition to right. start the process what what you learn what you learn in that class is basically that they still don't know exactly what LSD does to the brain like that's that's what you learn in the class and like any any science on it that's been produced is is Highly opinionated and highly spe- highly speculative, you know, yeah. and and they they really don't know what they do know. It seems is that it obvi- it affects people differently. Like mm-hmm. if you have a certain kind of 
brain chemistry as is, you might wig out, as they say. <laughs> you know, and if you have another kind of, of brain chemistry and you have certain neurotransmitters that are doing their job better than others, then it might you might have like the best it might be cathartic and it might be therapeutic and <laughs> yeah. you might, you know, see God or whatever, but um for me it was the former. I don't do, I don't do well with it. They say that the, the, the biggest thing that they kind of jammed down the throat of the class was it if you're if you're already if you have issues already LSD won't hurt those issues but it's not going to help you well know you I, know what I what I tend to believe or think or have the idea is that these drugs are, are giving us these therapeutic sessions where like if you got issues in your past or like issues with relationships or right. like you do some douchey shit that you right. feel guilty about like it's all gonna come up and pe people right. who smoke weed and get all paranoid and like act weird it's because the weed's making you get introspective right and go through no, your, your rolodex of of douchery that you, you my, my perform, whoa, right? whoa 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 because i was just about to agree with you and say that i actually get a little paranoid sometimes so, like, I don't think I have a Rolodex of douchery, though. I mean, I... <laughs> don't, yeah, oh, don't don't disagree with me or anything, Mike. Well, I mean, I, obviously <laughs> I'm being dramatic for the sake of the story. <laughs> but, you know, maybe you didn't tip the waiter an extra dollar or something. You know, maybe you did something that you, you I'm, felt... I'm a little offended. Of... I think I'm a pretty cool dude. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I certainly don't have a Rolodex of douchery. <laughs> I've been douchebaggish. I times. think that's going to be the title of this show. <laughs> Rolodex of douchery. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Um, yeah, but I think I've you know I think I've done douchey things. Yeah, like maybe I you stole five bucks from your neighbor when you were ten or something. Okay, yeah, that's you on know, that's on the Rolodex. Because our dream states are the same way, right? Like we get into dream states and our dreams as abstract and fucking bizarre as they are, they're they're hallucinogenic experiences right. that we that we go through every night or are supposed to. Right. And and it's really your brain going, all right, here's how we deal with this little stress. Even if it's stress. Like, right. even, like, I, I know I said Rolodex of douchery, but <laughs> let's say you don't know how you're going to pay your next bill. I don't. Like, That's good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am right there with you, my yeah. friend. And, you know, maybe that comes up and, and makes you go through a set of, like, like how am I going to deal with this? Right. And that's a lot of times manifests itself as those, like, paranoias or, like, high stress right. What situations, but with all that said, both of those things can be really fucking stressful. Right. Well, what I shouldn't do, uh, because yeah, what what often happens, uh, you know, if I if I if I'm smoking, I'm usually drinking too, and I really think I shouldn't do both. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That'll fuck you up. Well, yeah, exactly. But I mean, like, I I've just learned you you know you got to learn the hard way, you know, mm -hmm. because you know if I'm drinking, I just want to drink. You know, and, and, you know, someone's got some smoke or whatever, and I'm like, all right, well, fuck it. I got shit to do tomorrow. It's like Friday, you know. <laughs> you ain't got no job. You ain't got shit to do. It's um, So, yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, and you, you start smoking, too. And then, like, that's when I'll start feeling really weird. And, yeah. you know, the Rolodex of douchery comes out. <laughs> Fucking dick. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. I, but I do get, like, I do get... You know, I'm just like anybody else, man. I get, like, you know, insecure and shit sometimes. And I don't know, just something about mixing those two. I think, you know, like, 
I've, I've mixed a lot. And well, that's what... Yeah. And weed is like, here, work on your insecurities. Right. And alcohol is, here, I smashed your insecurities. Right. Let's go smash something yeah, else. Yeah, you know, right? you might be right. Like, I don't think I've ever, you know... Uh, I mean, I've, I've obviously smoked and not been drunk and drunk and not been smoked. Yeah. Smoking, but um, I just never thought to just not do that altogether, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're in, like, a party right. scenario, that's how... how it's I, think it's more, I think it's more, you know, I... Shouldn't drink as much. <laughs> I, uh, I find, man, like, I have this, I don't know if it's the same way for everybody, but, right. like, I have this disconnect, uh, like, if I'm on hallucinogens or right. even if I'm just drunk or, you know, drink a cup of coffee. Right. It's all really the same fucking shit. But I always have, like, I know where sober Mike is and I know where, <laughs> where jacked up Mike is. Right. right. Like, where influenced Mike is. Right. And right. I never lose that disconnect. Well, that's and good, man, because I have. I think that's where where right. the fear and anxieties is right. when you, you lose connection between right. those two things. You, and I've always found a way to hold on to it. I don't know how, Yeah. but I've, I've always stayed in connection for the most part. I've been lucky. I've been really lucky because, I mean, I've done some silly shit when I was drunk, you know? I mean, Would silly. you like a drink? Speaking of, <laughs> I, I have like some a, uh, non-alcoholic beverage or I, some water. I have some water, man. I was supposed to do that before the show. Oh yeah, that's probably a good idea. It's like a like a talk show. You have to have my like I have to have my mug, oh, my Mike my Mike Maxwell mug. I had some drinks. Your refrigerator is covered, very, right? Very organized. That was gonna say. The magnets be just so. I like that. It's order, chaotic order. Don't mean something. Thank you for the water. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm sorry I didn't have that ready to go from the from the get go here. So we're talking about hallucinogens. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. Let's move on that. from hallucinogens. Yeah. You have a terrier. A Jack Russell terrier, my best friend in the whole world. Indeed. How long? How long has uh, have you guys been a pair? <laughs> uh, we, he's almost thirteen, um, but uh. You know, I've only had him for about twelve. He was a rescue dog, uh-huh. so he has he still does have like a lot of issues as far as abandonment and stuff goes. But yeah. uh, but he's cool, man. Like he's you know he he's yeah. Uh, he's, I tell you what, he's, he's probably, slowing down, but he's still cool as shit, man. He's one of the the coolest uh, Jack Russells I've ever seen. Yeah, like uh, in terms of like attitude and like nonchalantness. I, yeah. I had a conversation. I was talking about um, my my last boss's wife uh david from pacific magazine i she didn't like my dog harry and i just yeah it was like i don't think i can like people who don't like my dog yeah you how know? could you right right i mean it's like yeah if you're like a dick to my dog then like i yeah i've just lost all respect for you what <laughs> what is that there's something that dogs have that... i mean i can understand if you're allergic or something like you know <laughs> yeah, like oh i you know my allergies or whatever like my best friend's allergic to dogs but yeah. you know it's you know he doesn't you know shun harry like get away from me harry and you know, I'm not about saying that this woman did this, but it was just like she could just kind of tell she wasn't a dog person. Yeah. And she didn't appreciate, like, me bringing the dog to the office. And... Maybe she had some weird dog issues. That... Hey, you know, I mean, maybe she got bit, you know. People got all sorts of weird issues I don't, in their like, past. I don't judge people, you know, for their past. I'm just like, how could you not like Harry? <laughs> you know, he's, not, know, he's right? not even like a dog. He's like, you know, my homie. Dude, I walk Pete every morning at, before we go get coffee. And there was, like, this 18-year-old kid, right? Like, 
kind of scrappy kid, looks like kind of tough or whatever. Right. He saw us walking towards him. Mm-hmm. He literally walked like 15 feet to the right and to avoid right. even coming anywhere close to us. Right. And I have a 25-pound Boston <laughs> Terrier. Right. He looks like sweet as he looks like like cute monkey pig. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know? chupacabra. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, yeah. look, I how have... could anyone be scared? Right? <laughs> well, I think people are scared of the chupacabra, but yeah, okay. But like sense. he's, definitely... <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I would be kind of, because that there's like weird things involved with the chupacabra, right? I think it's like just they, a, they take, I think it's like just they a hairless your, they coyote. Steal, oh, I thought it was like they were supposed to steal your genitals at night or something. No, they just eat your chickens. <laughs> they eat the chickens. That's yeah. it? Oh. Yeah, that's it. I God, think. here I thought the whole time the chupacabra was going to steal my nuts. No. Um, okay. I'm sure there's all sorts of weird mythologies behind it, but I think it's just a hairless coyote that jumps into pens and eats I chickens. thought it was like a jackalope or something. Is that a hairless coyote? It's a hairless coyote? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I, this is all news to me. My, well, it's all the my weird My whole monsters. conception of... Chupacabra is just blown. There's a there's a YouTube video of a, a Texas trooper like going down this dirt road, following this hairless dog running down the fucking dirt road. <laughs> what? But it's like it's like beefy. You know, like those like big steroid cows. So it looks slaughter? like a cross between a coyote, a wildebeest, and like it looks like. And it's hairless. The video in the in the video it looked like a hairless pit bull almost because it looked kind of muscular. Uh-huh. But things look weird when they don't have hair. There's this video I, of an albino hairless monkey that somebody posted up on this uh, forum that I go on. Right. Fucking strange as fuck. <laughs> it looks so weird. But you, There's it's some weird crazy, man, yeah. dude. You can see how strong a motherfucking chimpanzee is. Right. And you can see its fucking cut muscles. Like, chimpanzee would fuck us up. Well, there's, yeah, I mean, they have fucked people up. People have fucking monkeys, and they tear their fucking face off, and they act like they're surprised it's a wild animal. Things are so fucking early <laughs> strong, they're like fucking bears, dude. You, were, you ever listen to that, um, that shit with the woman where she got her face scratched off? I saw shit? a picture of that. She I don't want to see the picture. Transplant? I just saw, I saw the, I heard the audio, like, on the radio where she's oh, just, like, Lord. screaming in the 911 call, oh, and you can man. hear this chimp in the background, and you're like, damn, that's not a cool way to go out. Not that she went out, but she got it jacked up. There has to be some, like, warning signs. Like, dogs who attack people, like, there's warning signs leading up to them finally exploding and attacking people. Even right. if they just do it out of the blue, right. like, what seemingly looks like out of the blue, there's warning signs leading up. Right. If somebody owns a monkey, you should fucking see those fucking aggressive <laughs> signs coming on. Right. You know that that thing Monkey's your pissed face at you. off. I was telling this story the other day, and it's it's like a friend of a friend, so I don't know how you know how much conjecture is involved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, she was telling me this story. This this friend of hers that had um, was living in an apartment in Manhattan. This is a very entertaining story. Just wait. Um, <laughs> she was a she was in Manhattan. She has this apartment, and uh, you know she was sharing it with like four other people, and then the guy, one of the guy roommates, had a a big boa constrictor like a huge one yeah i think it was like the boa constrictor which one no it's a python the boas crush you and then eat you the pythons just eat you right anyway it doesn't matter pythons yeah if it doesn't i'll edit it out okay thank you (laughs) um so the python uh the guy left and never came back nobody nobody knew what happened to him or whatever he just bailed and he left this gigantic python yeah and everybody's like what the fuck do we do with the snake so one of the girls this friend of the friend you know, sort of took it on and was caring for it, and she she got to like the snake, and was it was like her pet, and like a year after she started, you know, this was her, you know, big python now, and uh, 
She used to let it just kind of... That's what she said. She, yeah. That's, Sorry. You had to go there. Um, it was, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was optional, but definitely requisite. You had to go there. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so so the she would let the, the boa in her room just like kind of yeah. roam around. I mean, the thing didn't yeah. move that much anyway. Right. Or the python. I'm sorry, it's a python. So one night uh, she was sleeping, and she and the python started sleeping next to her. And doing and and was like stretch. I don't know if people can't see me, but like like <laughs> like vertically like stretched out, you know, like the the snake was next uh-huh. to her. And she's like, oh, it just wants to be next to me or whatever, you know. And oh, no. <laughs> so somebody came over for a party or something. And she saw somebody and they were like, and she was telling them like, oh, I sleep with my snake. And they're what kind of snake? And she told them like, you know, a huge python. And they were like. Oh, that's you know really not cool. She's like, well, why he like you know like lays right next to me, and the and the person she's talking to goes, that means he's sizing you up. Oh shit! Like you measuring know? her out. Yeah, like measuring her body to see if he it will fit. Oh, holy Christ! You know, and like you're you know, and she got rid of the snake like right yeah, after yeah. or something. <laughs> you know, but you're like sitting there going like, well, duh. You know, it's a oh, fucking wild. Shit. You know, it's a wild animal, and you're not supposed to. That's why I don't. Really get on the zoo. Everybody loves the zoo. Everybody loves SeaWorld. I hate those places. Those animals should be where they belong. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? And I understand, like, the whole conservationist aspect of it. And, like, if they were where they were naturally at, they'd be hunted and killed into extinction or whatever. Yeah. You know, so I understand, I understand that aspect of it. But I really don't think that you should domesticate snakes. You should, or try to, or what do you, you're not even domesticating them. They're just, they're just your pets. It's like you birds, know? people who trap up birds and keep birds in their yeah, house. I don't like people with birds, man. Dude, it's insane. Right. It's insanity. Yeah. I don't not know, only that, it's annoying, right? right? Like, who wants to hear a fucking bird fucking yap all day? Yeah, I'm not too worried about, like, that's, yeah, that's, see, that's where the naturalist or conservationist aspect of it kind of goes away because, yeah. you know, you're not really saving those birds Who's hunting a parakeet? You know, you know. But maybe it's or the rainforest might be coming down. But you know, I I don't know. It's I just like don't I don't want to hear your fucking parrot, and I don't want to hear your parakeet. I, I think it's I know probably, why the, I know why uh, the cage bird sings because it sucks being <laughs> it in a cage. Sucks being a <laughs> but they, the, those people must get something out of it. There must be some sort of inherent joy in um, having this connection with your with your. Go animal. the fuck outside. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know, like, but... why don't be inside listening to a bird. Go outside and listen to some. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, it seems like non... I don't know. It seems nonsensical to me. I know people get a lot of joy out of having birds and and caring for birds, but shit, man. Go bird watching, you know? I think people just get addicted to it. You yeah? get addicted to having pets and sort of getting... Like, people who have fish tanks... Right. Totally gonna rag on people who have fish tanks and bird cages right now. <laughs> yeah, like, they get addicted, right? Like they gotta get that new fucking yeah. saltwater fish that's a fucking rare tropical fucking gem from the. I yeah, don't get it. Don't it's yeah, bizarre, it's right? like I don't care. Yeah. I mean, I have my dog. He's cool. That's it. You know, that's all I need. Let's get back to music. Oh really? Um, We're going back to music. Well, you know, I wanted to talk to you about something because I I know like and and even like that idea that we should be supportive of creative. Oh endeavors. yeah. Like yeah. I How fucking I... hate going to concerts. I love. Yeah, I don't I'd see you at many. To... I don't see you at many. No, shows. I don't do the shit. I I I would love to get the soundboard recording. Right. 
Bring it home. Really? Play it. This is very surprising to me. Or sit in a room with just the band and let them perform and let me sit there and just be quiet and listen to it. Wow. I know, and, and I hate... You seem like the type of guy who would love to go to a, like a show. No, dude, I for, hate it. Wow. What, what do you, why do you think that is? I, I'm so uh, consciously aware of what everybody else is doing around me. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm so utterly even distracted. The, even the herb doesn't really help with no. that? Really? Yeah, and alcohol makes it worse. Wow, man. I, so, you, I mean, do you think you have some sort of, not to get all serious, but... Telepathy like, like, or... Uh, no, no, like some sort of, I was going to say social anxiety. Uh, where, no, where, no. you know, you feel like... Well, actually, yeah, probably. There, and, and the weed does help that, right? right? It helps me be less aggressive. Like, right. my my social anxiety will, will, will present itself right. as, like, aggressive, like, overly macho behavior. Right. You know? But really, it, it's an issue of distraction. Like, even like, like, let's say I know people are dancing and having a good time because right. they're enjoying themselves and doing things. Right. But I feel like sometimes there's a disconnect between the show that people are putting on for the people that are around them and, and at the same time are listening to something else. Right. Um, and it's so weird. Like, I, like, I want to be able to pause the show and go take a piss right. if I want. Uh, you, you know what I mean? Okay. I, uh, like, and and it gets to a point where I'm at the end of a show, like like I'm like an hour and a half in, and I'm like, fuck, I hope this show ends mm. soon, so I can. Get you, the fuck was out of were here. you always like this? I think so. Really? As far, like, I mean, as far I feel as I like remember. I feel like obviously the older we get, the more curmudgeonly we get, or whatever. Yeah. You know, especially with our concert going experience because all right let me i'll take that back because i used to like to go to parties and like right. hang out at bars and do like that used to be fun for me right and isn't as much now but it's different than being at a concert right well like i said you in there was this great saturday night live skit i don't know if you ever saw it with like chevy chase and i think dana carby or something it was in like the mid 90s when chevy chase was coming on as a guest host and then they did this skit where they were at a Van Morrison concert, and like the, there was an, one of the Saturday Night Live actresses and like David Spade were sitting in front of them, and they were like dancing, going like "Yeah, man!" and they just want to like sit there and watch the fucking show yeah. and enjoy the fucking music. Right. And they've got like these like hip, you know, not hippies, but like you know, like these these kids in front of them like freaking out, you know, <laughs> and and you know, and and they kind of flashed back to like when they were young and did the exact same uh-huh. thing. So I think like. You know, the older we get, the more we're aware of people bothering us. You yeah, know, right. uh, I can't tell you how many times I've been in the Casbah, <laughs> you know, and looked, just like fucking looked or said some shit to somebody because they were like, you know, talking at the most like beautiful song that I love. Dude, I gotta know? tell you this story because that's a perfect segue for, I went to the Sleater Kinney show at mm-hmm. the Casbah. I'm, if I'm, if I'm saying the wrong band, I'm, I'm bummed, but Sleater Kinney is too female- Right, I love Fleeter Kenny. Went to the Casbah show, right? And mm-hmm. I'm at one of the tables that's like right there, side stage, one of the little the bar tables. Yeah, yeah. And this couple is at the end of the table where we're at, and is having like their first date. Right? Oh, fuck me. At a go to the fucking movies. You don't have to talk quiet, to each other. A quiet, quiet fucking Sleater Kinney show, right? Like acoustic, like quiet. Right. Like you yeah. can hear somebody drop their glass. Shit. Man. Nobody's talking except for them. Right. And maybe around the bar a little bit, and I had just had enough. And at that time, I used to wear my grandfather's ring. Right. And I would, you know, I would be one of those like impatient tappers with it, right? Like, mm-hmm. 
And I was like, oh, I've had enough of this. And I just exploded and just slammed my hand down on the table as hard as I could. Right. And clacked it with the with the edge of the ring, you know? And everybody in the fucking Casbah went like, and looked over at me. And, like, the two people who were talking, like, having their fucking get to This was in the middle of the song or, like, after a song? It was in the middle of the song. So I was as much of a fucking douchebaggery Rolodex <laughs> as, as your Rolodex. <laughs> but I, it was for the better of the whole group, right? No, no, absolutely. Yeah, and sometimes even, you got a band no, looked over. And sometimes like, Whoa. you sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes you got to let let them know like that you. Not everybody here has balls, you know. But <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna muster some and tell you to shut the fuck up for the betterment of everybody. Right. And because you can all you can you're looking around and you see like the same people that are like in the same kind of mind space you are with this uh-huh. person, and they're looking back and they're like. You know, you can't see me, obviously, but like they're look, they're glaring, they're giving like these cold glares to the same person yeah, you are, totally. and finally, you know, you you get fed up, and I do the exact same thing, and have you know gotten in trouble for it, and you know, uh, not gotten in fights or anything, but like you know, I've gotten some, pretty close some arguments, yeah. you know, like shut the fuck up, you know, yeah, and uh, so I think a big part of that ruins the actual experience for me, where like I'm not going to a show right. to dance and sweat and like be a part of the music like right. I'm, I'm if i'm going to a show i'm going there to sit down and really listen well obviously and it, not that there's yeah. anything and wrong it, with with people having right. a good time like and this. obviously it all do, i mean you have a way that you want to experience a concert like now be personally i wouldn't want to go to a bc boys concert and sit you know what i mean yeah yeah totally. you know what i mean right. like i mean it's just the kind of show like you're like yeah i want to stand and be like i went every time like i start feeling that way like i'm i'm like oh these fucking kids, fuck, you know, <laughs> you know, no respect. That happened to me at Radiohead too when yeah. I didn't have any weed, and they fucking annoying ass kids next to. Where us. was that the Embarcadero thing? Or no, whatever? at fucking Chula, in Chula Vista. Oh, at the course. And it took us two oh, and a half shit. hours to get out of the back fucking. Oh yeah, don't even get me started on how much course fucking Christ. But um, I think that might have been the last concert besides some Casbah joints. Right. Well, I think you know it, it's it's. It's an epidemic of douchebaggery. So these these people, it, the Friday Saturday randoms at the Casbah, you know they they suck. You know, like oh, I mean a good a good show to bring up. You mentioned the Sleater Kinney show. You go to a low show. I don't know if you're into low, the band Low. They they that they, they live up to their name. They're just really quiet. And you hear like every note. Yeah. It's especially their older stuff. Their newer stuff's been a little bit more uh, edgy, but. Um, but yeah, like you go to a low concert at the Casbah and it is quiet. Like people are quiet and, you know, I mean, they clap and they applaud or whatever, but that's about it. Yeah. And somebody came to the last one. The last time they played at the Casbah was like a couple of years ago or something. Um, and they played and there was, there was a talker, you know, there was like somebody in there like jabbering by the bar <laughs> And fi- I mean, somebody did. I wasn't by. I was by the stage, but somebody finally turned around and was like, "Dude, shut up!" Yeah, you know. And you got you got to do it. Movie theater, whatever, do it. Yeah, I know. Tell people because how else are they gonna learn? You know. Yeah, but then it gets to that point where it's like nobody can ever take good advice at that moment in time, right? Right. Because because no matter what you say to somebody, you could say it with a fucking cupcake, right? And it's still gonna be saying. You're doing something wrong, and we all think you're a douchebag. Well, that's right? why they get confrontational, you know? Yeah. And that's when, you know, you you either buck up or shut up, you know? Yeah. It's like, 
I've been in fights before. I mean, it's like, I'll, I'll tell you again. But how nice a society up. would it be to be able to tell these people, look, this isn't working for the better of us all. Yeah, And that's... still have it be like, oh, thank you. Like, it'd be a compliment. Not, not a compliment, but like... A compliment. A, not a compliment. <laughs> like, a more a constructive criticism. And taken that way, not just as I don't an think insult. I'm, like, if you honk at somebody... Right. Yeah. Saying, well, fuck honk, you. Well, Mike, honking's honking and telling somebody to shut the fuck up is slamming like, your hand. You down can't on do the it. Table. You, you can't do it in a nice way. It's not impossible. I don't. I really don't think like you can tell somebody like, "Wow, um, your voice is really nice," but I, I would like to hear it less. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I mean, what do you? No. I mean, I don't think. I think you sometimes you just got to tell people to shut up, and that's just the way it is. And I think. I think. And. By that logic, I think that extends to listening to bands, you know? Yeah. You know, you were talking about the right. process earlier, and or not the process, but the 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 art of supporting, <laughs> you know? Right. And I think, uh, you know, sometimes you just need to tell people to shut up. I think that might be a good spot to end the podcast, <laughs> just tell everybody to shut the fuck up. Let's, um, let's promote uh, Including myself. Please feel free <laughs> to tell me to shut up anytime you want. Where can people uh, find your work at? Um, the work that you well, do. Well, I, I guess if, the, if there's a, a plug, if any, um, look for uh, a new website in January, uh, completely uh, controlled by me. Um, it's just going to be my own little thing. And uh, what about uh, the Twitters? You know, Twitters, uh, you Twitters? can follow me at Coombseth, C-O-M-B-S-S-E-T-H. Coombs. Coombseth, like Puffy, but I, you know, he's, I tell people he's my cousin, but he's not. Um, and then, uh, you know, Facebook is just, I think, Facebook, Seth Coombs or something. Find you. All right, thank you for doing the show, sir. Appreciate not it. No problem, thank you. When I-